We are so excited to be here with you this morning, telling you about our mission trips this summer. We had a lot of students go and come back, and in a few minutes, we're going to invite some of those students up here to share what God has done in their lives. And I think you're going to be really impressed with what you have to hear. Um, these students and others like them took time out of their summer to do God's work, to share God's story, and let God's presence flow through them. I can't wait for you to hear how God showed up. And I just want to take a second just to thank everybody here uh, for your support, not just prayerfully, but financially. Uh, a lot of these students, they may not have been able to make it without the support that uh, our church gives. And so I just want to thank you um, on behalf of Holly and I and our student ministry um, and everyone who works with us. Uh, just thank you for what you do for us on a weekly basis. Um, and before we get uh, our students up here, I, I would just want to introduce y'all uh, and answer this question, why do we do missions the way that we do with our students? The first thing that we talk about, or we try to create opportunities for hands-on experience. Um, Kerry Newhoff in one of his books says, the church has always been about something bigger than itself, and at the center of the mission is Christ. You know, Jesus' final command to his disciples uh, was to go and make other disciples, to baptize them and to teach them. Because the gospel was never meant to just be talked about. But the good news of Jesus was meant to inspire and equip people to be changed so that they can be the change. The second thing we want to talk about or give our students is exposure to diversity. You know, our students, they seem so ready to embrace and live out a version of faith that is willing to care and love on the people around them, regardless of what those people look like and regardless of what the risks might be. And we as adults and leaders who, who love and we're so excited for the next generation, um, we, we need to model biblical love and show them how unsurpassing worth, uh, how to find that unsurpassing worth in every person that they meet. And that starts in our own hearts with the smallest acts of seeing people that society chooses not to see. Another important aspect of our mission trips is to have a community mindset. Part of being a disciple of Christ is thinking of others before you think of yourself and to be other referenced. Many of us struggle with putting others first. I struggle with this. How is it going to affect me? How important am I going to be in this scenario? A mission trip with their peers into places with God's children forces these students to think beyond themselves, forces themselves to yield to others. We see the benefits of this almost immediately when they come home from a mission trip like this. They've become more community-minded. Another Mission trips also help our students um, discover their personal mission, discover their calling. Um, this is a big part of what our student ministry does. We want students to leave our student ministry and to know some bit of what God wants them to do in their lives. And a mission trip is the first thing that gave me a sense of what I wanted to do with my life. Now, I'm not just talking about your, all your students are going to come back wanting to be paid professional ministers. No worries. They're going to want to do something different, maybe. But they are going to be doctors who are ministers. They're going, to be doc, they're going to be lawyers who are ministers, accountants, contractors, plumbers, many things that have a global sense of what the world is going to do. And we're really excited about that. The last thing that we really care about is we want our students to catch a vision we call them vision trips, not mission trips. Um, Josh and I do. And we pick that up from dry bones. It's the language that they use. Um, we want that to call them vision trips because we know that we are limited in the work that we can do here. Anywhere that we go, we're limited in just a week of what we can do there. 
Um, but what, how great is it if our students come back, go, to, go on a trip intending to learn, and then come back and change their own mission, their own place, their own mission field here. We want them to catch a vision there so they can change their mission here. All right, so now comes the fun part. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and invite our students up to the stage that are gonna be joining us today. Um, these are some incredible students. Now we took a lot of really amazing students with us on, on all of our trips, um, but these students have some really amazing stories. So I wanna introduce you uh, to Kyle Corbett and Lily Goode. This is Landon Mullins and Ethan Carpenter is making his way up on stage and all of them participated um, in, in our mission trips this summer um, and they're already making big waves for, for the Lord back here in Abilene. Um, they have some really awesome stories on their, on their mission trip and post-mission trip um, that we can't wait for you guys to hear about. So the first mission trip uh, that we want to share with you is one that we just finished this week. Um, it's called Mission ABI, and Landon here participated in Mission ABI. Mission ABI is for 5th and 6th grade students from Southern Hills. They gave their time and energy to Madison Middle School. They're right, Madison's right here in our backyard, and... Uh, They've had some ups and some downs in the past few years. And we, many of the teachers are tired and unhappy um, in their jobs. And we really just wanted to make Madison feel, uh, just to give a little bit of beauty back to Madison. There's a garden in the middle of the school and we redid it for them. And so uh, Landon's gonna, Landon participated in this trip. Landon's gonna tell us a little bit about it. Landon, how old are you and what school do you go to? I'm 10 years old and I go to Taylor Elementary. Okay. Awesome. So, Landon, uh, when you first walked into that garden, Madison Square Garden, as they call it, uh, <laughs> when you first walked into that garden, tell me what you saw. I saw a ton of weeds, and, like, it didn't seem like a very fun place to be in. Yeah. yeah. What, what was the hardest part of all that work that y'all did? Uh, getting all the weeds out of the garden. Yeah. That was pretty tough. Was, was the ground, like, nice and mushy to just eat? Shovel. It was not. <laughs> um, okay, so you talked about how you made how it made you feel when you first walked in and saw it. When you finished all all what you did, how did it make you feel? It made it feel like a super fun place to hang out in with your friends and stuff. Yeah, so it went from a place where you thought, "Oh, I don't want to come here," to this could be a fun place I'd like to hang out. Cool. Yeah. How did the Madison teachers react when we were done? Uh, they were like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah, it did look amazing. I didn't think we were going to get done by the end. Did you, think we, did you think it was a big job or did you think it was easy? I did not think it was easy. I yeah. think it, I it was easy. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Did we do anything else for Madison? Do you remember anything else that we did? Write notes to the teachers. Oh, yeah, we wrote notes to the teachers and gave them some expo makers for them to use. For sure, for sure. So it was cool, Landon. We were out there working, and there was, Josh had come up to help us out for the day, and we were happy to have his muscles. And there was this dead bird that, uh, that, that was over there. And so Josh was like, somebody get me a trash bag. I'm going to come pick up this dead bird. And the, one of the Madison teachers was like, oh, no, again? And we, I was like, well, again? Are there dead birds here often? And she was like, actually, yes. There are dead birds here all the time. And we don't know why. It's just something that happens. A lot of the teachers joke about it and it, that we feel like we're cursed. 
something that was cool about Landon and the other fifth and sixth graders who were a part of this trip is that we took a place that was dry, the ground was hard, the roots were deep, um, and we pulled all that up and we changed it into something new. Um, we hope that some bit of what we did for Madison was help them feel just a little less cursed. So a couple weeks ago, uh, moving on to our next trip, we got back from Denver, Colorado for our Dry Bones trip. Um, and Dry Bones serves a large population of, uh, of houseless teenagers. Um, it's one of the biggest populations of young adults that are homeless uh, in the United States. And um, the, the first half of the week we spent on the mountains uh, camping. It was about 40 degrees at night. It felt great. Um, and, uh, and we spent time hiking and going through some spiritual practices and disciplines. And this was in an effort for us to, um, to check ourselves, to prepare ourselves for what we were about to do in Denver. And so um, on Thursday, we woke up and we made our way into the city. And we began to do things um, like a turf tour and, and checking out where we were going to be, um, hanging out with some people. Um, and I want Ethan to tell us a little bit more about that. But Ethan, first, tell us how old you are and what school you go to. I'm 17, and I uh, go to Wiley High School. Cool. Now, Ethan had a really powerful experience uh, this summer and, and has some really cool stories to share. So uh, share some of what you learned and, and how it made you different when you came home. Um, so, uh, as you said, during the week, we do a lot of different exercises and practices uh, that are rather spiritual. And uh, one of the exercises we do, it's actually on the last day, it's called OJ Saves. And it's where uh, we break off into groups of four or five people, and uh, they give us a backpack filled with orange juice, some pastries like honey buns or anything like that, and like a couple pairs of socks, and they give us a route, and we have to go out and we have to interact with the people uh, around that area. So about halfway through our walk, um, we found a lady. She was just sitting there on the grass uh, all alone. She had a little lunchbox next to her, uh, and she was just trying to stay cool. Uh, so we decided to offer up a honey bun, and she took it graciously, and uh, we just started talking to her, and uh, eventually about five minutes in, she started to cry. Um, she was alone, uh, and she was very sad about it. She had walked for about, oh, a day and a half, and she hadn't had any sleep within that time. Uh, she was very upset uh, because she had cut her thumb uh, when preparing uh, food for her uncle. And uh, it was just really powerful to see how alone and how sad she was just because of all of that. And so uh, what we did was we just sat down and listened to her. We sat down, and she just talked and talked and talked. More people came by and talked to her. Uh, and she got happy, and by the end, she was really happy uh, and encouraged, and we hadn't, we'd barely said a word to her. She just was so happy that we were there and able to listen to her, and that was really powerful uh, and showed me how much just a little thing like sitting down and listening uh, can really affect somebody uh, in that sort of situation. So tell me how, uh, how Dry Bones changed you. Like, tell, tell me a story about how Dry Bones changed you, not in Denver, but when you came back here. Uh, it really changed my view uh, for people. So when I came back, actually, uh, I had to work the next day on Monday, and I had recently lost my wallet. Yay. <laughs> so um, 
I had gotten a call that I found my wallet, so after work I went and I got my wallet, and on my way to grab my wallet, I saw a homeless man on the corner. Uh, so after I got my wallet, I uh, parked nearby him, and I went over and I, I introduced myself uh, and offered him uh, to buy him a meal. And uh, he said, well, I'm waiting on the bus, so I can't really have a meal right now, but I'd love to talk to you. So I sat down and found out his name was Dale and that he had a, a daughter, and um, uh, and she was currently going through school, and I also found out that his favorite color was blue, just like mine. Um, so it was really cool just to sit down and talk with him for five minutes. I got to know all these different things about him and how he's such a great and beautiful person uh, that God loves just as much as he loves me. Uh, and it's really beautiful to be able to interact with those people uh, that you don't get to see every day. Had you ever seen this man before in Abilene, or was this new? Oh, yeah, no, I... There's uh, several homeless people around town, and I mean, there's people you see regularly, like Dale, I see him quite a bit, especially hanging out around Market Street where I work, uh, and I've seen a few other people uh, that hang around the same areas almost every day when I drive by, so it's, it's not a new thing. So did it change you? How, how, so you obviously were changed coming back from Denver to where you noticed this person that you've seen before and you stopped this time? Yes, it was... It's just, it's a really great thing uh, to be able to interact with these people, just because it's, they're just like you and me. They've been through hardships, but quite frankly, they're some of the nicest and most humble people you can meet, and uh, it's really encouraging just to see uh, what an impact even they can make, even when it seems that they can't. So one of the cool spiritual practices that Dry Bones teaches us, um, there's not really a name for it, but... Uh, they, they teach us to stand up over this uh, little area. And as we're standing, we're, we're just supposed to watch this little four-foot square area and, uh, and just notice, see what things we notice about God, about that place, about the nature. Um, and then after about five minutes, um, our friend Mark said, okay, now I want you to get on your knees and look at the same place. And as we got closer, we began to notice, you know, the flowers, the bugs, uh, the charging spiders, um, <laughs> we began to notice more and more the closer we got to that space. And then after about five more minutes, he said, now I want you to get on your belly and I want you to look at this place. Look at this space in front of you. Notice the intricate details. Notice, notice every single little bug and little grain of sand. Just see what God puts on your heart to notice about that space. And then that translates to a lot of us and how we view the world. A lot of us, we view the world standing up, where we can view it from afar, where we can still see it, but it's not really close. It's not uncomfortable. Um, maybe it looks like we pass somebody on the street, but then we begin to get closer. We get on our knees. We, we roll down our window and give someone a dollar and ask them their name. Um, that's, that's getting a little bit closer and noticing people. But then if you really want to get uncomfortable, if you really want to get uh, into the face of these people and do what Ethan did, then we get on our bellies and we get right down into it. And it's really uncomfortable being on the ground with all of these things happening around you. But if we, if we follow Ethan's lead and we learn people's names like Dale and we learn his story, that's what Jesus is, is wanting us to do. That's what he's pushing us to do. That's what he's asking us to do. And that's what I love about um, all of our students' heart is, is that they're, they're uncomfortable, but they're at the place where they, they need to be, where Jesus has put them. For sure. Another trip that we went on, 
was a trip to Fortress, which is in Fort Worth. Um, this is at the beginning of July. We drove from Abilene to Fort Worth to spend time with the Fortress Youth Development Center, a group we've served with for the past few years. From Monday to Thursday, we participated as buddies, or the students participated as buddies with the second through fifth graders, um, helping kids keep up with their studies during the summer, sharing some Bible lessons, and giving some extra love and attention where it was needed. So Lily participated in this trip. Lily, will you please introduce yourself and tell how old you are, what school you go to? Um, I'm 13, and I go, well, I'm about to go to Wiley High School. Awesome. Lily, you love Fortress. If you are in the middle school ministry or you know Lily, you know that she is my main uh, person that I use to get people to sign up. So Lily is um, any volunteer team that needs someone to recruit, you want Lily Good on your team. She loves it. Um, the younger kids go because you love it so much. Why, how has Fortress changed you? Why do you love it so much? Um, I think that I love Fortress because of the way that it treats the people who surround them. The neighborhood around them is not the safest or the most comfortable um, area, but they still do like as much as they can to go and work with every single family and make sure every single family is blessed. For sure. So tell me about that neighborhood. What, what makes it different? Okay, so every year we go on a prayer drive and we drive around the neighborhood and we stop at different areas and we pray for the school and the homes and the families and we pray for growth and development. And so we learned that this year, there they told us this year, there is no grocery store with fresh produce in the neighborhood. The closest one with real fruits and, veg fruits and vegetables is five miles away. And for a very high percentage of the people, there's not an easy way to get five miles away. And then that brings your nutrition value down quite a bit. And so they, um, the man who was leading us on our prayer drive told us that the zip code surrounding Fortress has the lowest life expectancy in the whole state of Texas. And at only 66 years, and the highest in Texas is around 94 years old, and that's a 30-year difference that you're missing because you're not getting good nutrition and you're not getting good, like, safety mm -hmm. in that neighborhood. And so it just can create an issue with not being able to get five miles away. For sure. For sure. Lily, why do you keep going back to Fortress? The main reason I keep going back to Fortress is you sit in your classroom and you wait for those kids to walk in the door. And when you see their face light up, you would never know. You would never know what type of environment they live in outside of the building because of what Fortress does for them. Um, Fortress is really a safe place for them to go and be able to worship God and learn about Jesus and be safe from whatever insecurity or is going on outside of that building. And so those kids really look forward to being able to go to Fortress and be safe and get fed meals because they know that that might not get to be happening at home. Will you tell the church the story of the girl your first year at Fortress? Yes. Um, my very first year at Fortress, uh, 
the very first day, there was a little girl, she's in second grade, and her name was Kaylin, and she walked in the doors, and she just kind of waved at me and smiled, and then she just sat down and leaned her head on my shoulder and fell asleep. And the whole day, she was having to wake up and move, and then right whenever we got to our next station, she would fall asleep again. And the whole day I was thinking, oh my goodness, why is this girl so tired? Like, she's sleeping the whole day. And so, finally at the end of the day, before she left, I was like, girl, why are you so tired? And she was like, well, I didn't get to sleep at all last night because my mom was busy sweeping rats out of our apartment. And she was waking me up, like, every ten minutes. And that was really emotional for me because learning that this precious little girl couldn't even sleep in her own home because there were so many rats getting in her room was keeping her up. And so that really pushed me to when I come back home to be more aware of what all, of my, all the kids at school are going through because it's really easy to judge the kids who fall asleep in class. But we're not even taking into consideration what their home life is like. And so we don't know if there's a reason why they're falling asleep at school. Maybe they weren't falling asleep at home. Maybe they couldn't be. Yeah. Wow. All right. Everybody take a deep breath. How are we doing? Okay. Um, <clears throat> so this is my friend Kyle. Um, in June, Kyle spent a week in Matari, Kenya with Change Life Ministry, uh, which is led by Tony Malden. Um, he was also able to see Carla Dean Thompson um, in neighboring Nairobi while he was in Kenya. And uh, Kyle also spent a week in Rwanda with Rwanda children and with, uh, with Serge. And in both countries, Kyle spent time interacting with the hundreds of children who are served by these ministries. So he was pretty busy for a couple of weeks while he was in Africa. <laughs> um, so Kyle, introduce yourself. Uh, how old are you and what school do you go to? I'm 16 and I go to Wiley High School. Awesome. Now, Kyle, you've had a life-changing trip. Um, I have heard you share so many stories, and uh, I just want you to share with the church of some of the things that you saw while you were there. All right, well, um, the Change of Life School is in Mathari, Kenya, and Mathari is a slum that has 600,000 people in one square kilometer, wow. which that's less than a mile. It's, it's really bad. But every Saturday, the school holds a little lunch for the kids all around Mathari, where they hand out free, free peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and a soda, and I got to go to that, and I got to play games with some of the kids and meet, meet them, and they're just great. They're so sweet and kind and loving, and as I was hanging out with the kids, um, I started to think about kind of their home life, and we, me and my dad got to visit some of the houses, and most of these kids wake up on the floor, no mattress, maybe a couch if you're lucky. Um, they wake up in their 10 by 10 feet, aluminum sliding house. That's all they have. They might have a curtain hanging down, and that, that's their room. And they wake up, they put on clothes that probably haven't been washed in a very long time, don't smell too great. Um, they go out of their house, they make their way through the streets, there's trash everywhere, they're burning piles of garbage everywhere, the smell is just awful. Um, there's raw sewage everywhere. But then I think of when they get to the school and they see the bright blue Change of Life logo and they see kids having a good time and playing and a Fanta in one hand and a sandwich in the other. 
And I just can't imagine how big a deal that is to them because they know that that, that's, that, that could be their only clean meal that they could get in their week. And that's, that could be the only chance where they can hang out with other children. And I'm thinking about this and my dad, Steven, was taking pictures and he met this little girl named Leah. Leah has Down syndrome, and there she is up there. Um, you can just imagine how poorly she's treated there. She's a sweet little girl, beautiful, but just treated like dirt sometimes. It's awful. But my dad saw her and kind of waved at her, and she kind of looked around like, me? Are you waving at me? And my dad was like, yes, hi, how are you? And um, Leah walked over to my dad and kind of latched herself onto his leg and stayed there for about 30 minutes just that that act of kindness just really, I think, made her day and her week um, because she doesn't get to be appreciated. You know, she's just, she's not loved often at all because some of the kids don't have um, parental figures in their lives, but that was just such a big deal to her. And I think the little things like, you know, hi, how are you, or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, or Tony Malding going through the line of kids and giving each kid a fist bump, I think that um, is the difference maker for these kids. Mm. And um, we also went to Rwanda a week later. And before I start this story, um, I wanna give a shout out to Benton Hanner, mm -hmm. who he goes to Wiley Intermediate School and he helped start a fundraiser that raised $5,000 for the Rwanda Christian School. So mm -hmm. yeah, next, next time you see Benton, go give him a high five or a pat on the back, because that's a really, Really cool deal. Um, so we got to go to a goat giveaway ceremony, um, which is cool because um, goats provide um, milk, they provide cheese, meats. You can, um, neighbors can mate the goats to make more and it's just, it's a money maker for families that don't have a way to make money. And the, um, the way this worked is that families, there were about 40 families would go up and get a goat. Um, and there were a couple of kids that hadn't been that close to a goat, but most of them kind of walked up to the goat and smiled and a couple gave their goat a hug. Um, <laughs> because like these kids, they knew how big a deal this was. And the parents, they were, they were crying and they were just hugging each other because they knew that this was a life changer for them. And just, you know, here in America, it's like, it's a goat. It's not that big of a deal, but here, this could change their lives. Yeah. And it's just mind-blowing to think about all the little things that we take for granted but are yeah. really just such big difference makers for these people. That's great. Thanks for sharing. Um, and so another trip that some of our students participated in was Peru. We had six of our students uh, go on this trip this year. And uh, Steve Rollins has been leading this trip for the past several, several years. And he's going to go ahead and come on up. And uh, he's going to share something that, that's happened this year that was really awesome. Uh, we've had students that have participated in this trip for a couple of years now, and uh, I'm excited for y'all to hear this story from Steve. Well, <clears throat> this church has, for the last 12 years, gone to Peru, um, a community north of Lima, and it's a community of children of about 1,200 kids that are at this school slash orphanage. About 300 of the kids live in in this community, uh, that's their, their safe place. And then a, a number of kids come in from the community to go to school. So we've seen the opportunity for ministry to happen here and connection to happen here. 
And over the years, we've had a number of our youth group go. And like Josh said, this year we had six uh, from the youth group go. And it's just inspiring to me as a leader to see what we do when we go, but what happens to us when we go. Because we've heard these stories too. Um, and I'll share. So Dustin Gordon over here, most of you probably don't know him. He's really quiet. He probably says very few words. He's a different kid in Peru. He comes out of his shell. He is loved by those boys in Peru. So that's just one example. I get to see that. What a cool blessing for me. And I'm proud of what he does. But for the last four years, and this is the cool part, and those of you that know me probably know I'm going to get choked up as I tell this story. Um, Dusty, come on down. Destiny didn't want to come up here and be interviewed, so I told her I wouldn't ask her any questions. <laughs> but she may have to hold my hand to help me get through this. Uh, Kim came with her. So Destiny's gone with us for four years to Peru. And Destiny is a delightful person. She inspires those around her. And especially in Peru, those girls in Peru love Destiny. The adults on the team love Destiny. She is just an awesome person and her spirit comes out. And we've had the opportunity to talk about what it means to be a follower of Christ. And uh, this year, while we were in Peru, she was baptized. <laughs> now, as I was talking to Destiny about this, I, I use the analogy, and I don't even think it's an analogy, that our baptism is our wedding ceremony to God. Christ. It's us joining with him. And so the further that, Destiny had a destination wedding for us. So <laughs> in the ocean. Very cold. It's winter in Peru right now, so it was not a heated baptistry, but what a cool thing. And so I get the opportunity. The elders usually do this, and I'm so privileged to do this. This morning, these are just um, again, I don't even say tokens, but remembrances of what you've done and the decision you've made. We have the towel that is engraved with the date. And again, just as you are a disciple now and as a, a follower of Christ, that'll be one of those remembrances. Uh, the other is the Bible from the elders here at this church. And you'll carry that with you as you continue to follow Christ. So those two things. Another cool thing that happened while we were there so there's a church that has been started because of our work in Peru. And so the church there turned up this beautiful certificate for her. And so it's in Spanish. I'm not going to even try to read it. <laughs> I do know that it says baptism in water at the top. So I can do that part. But I think, again, this represents her marriage certificate to Christ. And so I think that is a really cool thing that you get to put up and take with you forever, okay? So there's that. So, hold on. I'm probably, I'm probably taking longer than they wanted me to, but I'm gonna ask Josh and Holly to come up here. Just as we pray for her, this is again one of those opportunities where there are so many in this congregation that have touched Destiny's life. The ladies class has helped her in so many ways go on these trips. And so, thank you, family, this is why we do what we do, right? Yep. Um, 
this is more important than anything else we do is touching lives and changing lives and destiny is one of those that we've had the opportunity to do so pray with me okay dear god we are truly truly grateful for this day this moment for uh, destiny and the life um, that has been changed by her presence in peru but by her choosing to be a changed person and to be a follower of christ by her committing her life her efforts her thoughts her behaviors to you to be an example to reflect your love and everything that she does and as a church family we pray for her and as a church family we commit to her that we will walk beside her encourage her and that she can be our example too that she will come to us and ask us those tough questions that she will challenge us to be more christ-like in everything that we do we are thankful for her again thankful for her great example and help her just as she walks to become stronger and for her light to, sh to shine even brighter in jesus name amen. amen it's so cool that students lives are being changed and you've heard some lives being changed destiny's life was one way and and it's different now um, and that's and that's what's awesome it reminds us who we are in christ and connects us to the full church um, a cool thing about being a part of so a couple of these mission trips this summer, being a part of the full church, is that they were on trips with our um, missionaries that we support here at Southern Hills. Um, Kyle and Ethan were on trips um, supported by Southern, with the, on trips led by Southern Hills missionaries. So, can you guys tell me what that's like to feel to be on a trip like that? Um, yeah, so it's really really cool to see that this church is everywhere. Um, especially with Matt, uh, since he uh, came from the Southern Hills Youth Group and attended this church for most of his life, it was really cool to see just how he came from a person like me just attending a, a mission trip or just attending church to going and serving the Lord every single day in Denver and really making a difference. Uh, and it really encourages me and then uh, helps me see that this youth group that I'm a part of now, we are going to go out and we're going to do amazing things just like he is. And it really, uh, really makes me look forward to the future. I'm excited about it. Yeah, and um, it made me realize just how much, how big Southern Hills is. Because in Africa, Tony used to work at Southern Hills and Serge used to go here. And obviously he went to ACU. And it just blew my mind that they kind of started out in a little town in Abilene, a little town called Abilene. <laughs> um, it's just so cool. It makes me feel like I'm just part of something that's amazing. Just we're all over the world, and I can't wait to see how far we continue to grow. For sure. Well, Kyle, Ethan, Lily, Landon, we are so proud of you guys. Can we thank them for getting up here? And uh, before you guys sit down, um, Please challenge us. Give us, give us a, a charge as, as we leave here. Share, share with us one thing that you want us to remember. Um, I just want y'all to remember to appreciate the little things and just to notice them. Um, so on the trip, uh, as Josh talked about that exercise, uh, Matt gives us a challenge uh, that involves that exercise. So rather than viewing the earth and this planet as a vast, almost unending place, 
uh, view it as God views it, as the one square foot of ground uh, beneath our feet, where if we just kneel down or we lay down and look at all the tiny details below, you can see that it is filled with the amazing and beautiful people uh, of God. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to send you off with a literal challenge, um, which the next time you're at the grocery store, I want to challenge you to pick up one or two extra cans of vegetables and take them and donate them to somewhere where you know a family will be getting a good nutritional meal. I want you to see Abilene as a mission field. It's, uh, these students are some of my spiritual heroes. Um, I'm proud of who they are and what, how they've chosen to live their life for God. I don't want to get stuck thinking that we have so much to teach them because they teach us things every day. And that's what today was. I wanted you to hear from them and to learn from them. Um, I'm so glad that they represented our church this summer. I'm so glad that they represented the kingdom this summer and all the other students that they represent that went on these trips too. We're so proud of them. Our students, they're, they're helping us reimagine our definitions of, of justice and of peace. Uh, shalom is the Hebrew word for peace, but what if we expanded this definition to be more than just the absence of conflict? The ancient Hebrew concept of peace rooted in the word shalom meant wholeness, completeness, soundness, health, safety, and prosperity, carrying with it the implication of permanence. Uh, Dr. Nicholas Wolterstorff says, the state of shalom is the state of flourishing in all dimensions of one existence, in one's relation to God, in one's relation to one's fellow human beings, in one's relation to nature, and in one's relation to, its, to oneself. This summer, we, we saw these students and the students all throughout our church respond to God's call uh, by faithfully fighting for shalom in our world. They caught the vision to complete the mission that Jesus was desperately passing on to his disciples. And the wholeness and completeness that I believe Jesus prayed for in John 17 is being lived out in the hearts and the passion of the next generation. Because it's not just global and it's not just local, but it will always be personal. Dear God, you are worthy. You help us do so much and you've done good things this summer. We want you to be present in bringing us to what you want us to do. We thank you for being over Southern Hills and working with us and doing what you have planned for us. We strive to be like you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.